0: Well, I'm glad to be back. Bible Way's always been very close to my heart. I was talking to your pastor yesterday morning as he was driving to McClannan. And I told him, I said, I'm going to preach in the morning at uh, Stapleton with Brother Lambert. I said, but tomorrow evening I'm going to be at Bible way he said well uh, when I hang up I'm going to call Brother Corey and I'm going to tell him you're going to be there he didn't ask me to preach Brother Corey didn't ask me to preach till uh, he walked in just a while ago but I got ready to preach yesterday after talking to Brother Sullivan I believe I've got a message tonight that will talk to your heart is to you each individual, the church collectively, and get ready because I'm going to take a text and preach a message that I have never heard preached in Pentecost in the last 40 years. Just what I figured. Mm -hmm. We'll see about that. Well, if you got your Bible, open to Mark chapter 13, starting in verse 32. And if I find my glasses on my mouth, now I can see verse 32. Down to verse 37, the Lord is speaking to the individuals that make up the body of Christ, in this last generation, it says like this in verse 32, Mark 13, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. It don't matter how much of an offering you send to TBN or any popular prophecy teacher, nobody knows the day and the hour of the coming of the Lord. Furthermore, no angel knows. I had some several times, different times, down through the years, have told me, well, an angel said, I don't care. That never alters the word of God. No man knoweth, no angel knoweth. And Jesus said in his earthly ministry while he was here, I don't know. Do you mean that there are certain aspects in even the Godhead that the Lord would choose not to know? I'll give you another one. It's a great mystery. He chooses not to know whether you're going to make it or not. He loves you right now, right where you are, and will save you to the uttermost. Even though he may look the long-range view under a microscope and say, well, look at there. They didn't make it. God loves you so much. He's willing to share whatever His grace He can share in your life in spite of everything. We continue reading. He said, nobody knows, neither is the Son but the Father, God has got this power. He knows it from the beginning to the end. He's got a time set. We sometimes use a phrase that reveals our humanity. And that is, well, if God would extend the time. No, no, he don't. There's a set day. He stepped into the abyss of nothing, brought forth everything. In the beginning, God. Right. Come on. And when it comes down to the final moment of time, the end. The angel stands with one hand raised towards heaven and declares time shall be. God already knows. Oh, yeah. Amen. Not my message, just coming down to it. Here he's talking to the church, to you as an individual and the church collectively. Take ye heed. right. Watch and pray. If there's two things that God's expecting to find in the life of the believer at his return, it is a people that's watching and praying. If you're not watching and you're not praying, you're not ready and you're not going. That's Tarbert theology. It's rough. If you're not watching, that simply means alert to the end of the age. It's dealing with the end of the age in Matthew. I mean Mark 13, 32. Watch and pray. For you know not when the time is. It's coming. Jesus is coming. Look at verse 34. It's very important. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants. We understand that. Authority, that's his church. Ever born again, child of God, has received authority to work the works of Christ in the name of Christ. Right. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And the Bible said, And to every man his work, and commanded the porter. I want to preach on that porter for just a little while. Who is the porter? Tap yourself on the chest. If you're a born again child of the king, you are the porter. The commandment of the porter is watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at evening or at midnight or at cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for the liberty of the Word of God. I pray for the unction of the Holy Ghost to preach the Word of God. And I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be upon every heart to receive the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. We've not heard a whole lot. I, for me, almost 40 years of preaching. I never preached on it. I just I read it and skimmed over the top of it. But Jesus pulled the office of the porter from the Old Testament to the New. Oh, well, I see. What do you say it? Jesus said to the porter in Mark 13 and verse 34, watch. Then in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 7, he again talks about he, Christ, is the door and to the sheepfold. We understand that, and we've preached it all along. Jesus is the door. No man comes unto the Father unless he goes by Christ. And there in John chapter 10 and verses, he said, I'm talking to the porter. Again, he elevates the office of the porter. We have to look back. We go all the way back to 1 Chronicles chapter 9 and we're given the genealogy of the children of God, the children of Israel. And they're calling, we understand then, Korah. We understand that he was a group of sons of Meribah, Meri, if I pronounce this right, one of the sons of Levi. And his sons were porters their obligation and calling of God was they were standing at the door of the tabernacle beyond the brazen altar. We've gone through all the sacrifices of the blood of lambs and rams and goats and bullets has been shed. And now a person is welcomed into the wilderness tabernacle. (laughs) And he has to go by two porters. Their names are Shalom and Aquabub. And if you pronounce Hebrew any better than I, you're a blessed individual. These two individuals are standing at the door. And their obligation is, and calling of God, stand with sword drawn. You don't let no Jebusite in. You don't let no Hit tied in. You don't let anybody that isn't of the seed of Jacob. To the point was you stand with sword drawn, and if anybody tries to infiltrate into that wilderness tabernacle, you flop their head off. And the wilderness congregation will shout hallelujah while you do it. I mean it, it seemed to be awful extreme. You know, I, I don't want to flop off any Hittite's head. I don't want to kill any Jebusite. But when you look at what they stood for, the Bible said God cast them out before the children of Israel. Seven nations stronger than Israel was. God cast them out and posted guards to stand at the door of the tabernacle to prevent them from ever gaining entrance in. Are you telling me that God barred some people? He did then and does now. Well, I preached this this morning, didn't preach very good. I'm I'm preaching it again, not preaching very good. Because it seems like it's become new ground. Somehow we've allowed the thinking to enter into our minds that God somehow has become limp wrist in this last hour, just before Jesus comes to gather his church home and everybody's just going to death. Giftly do go their way into heaven. It's not true. The Bible said, the end of the age, most will be lost. I sat here tonight saying, I thank Almighty God that the blood of Jesus has been applied to the door, to my heart, that I've been sanctified, washed in the blood of the Lamb. So many in our world around us are lost. They're lost. They're lost. You know, I posted the post a few days ago about running a bus ministry. And I I mean, I just, we fought the devil coming and going and aboard. They wanted to sell the buses. It was all up in the air. And come Sunday morning when all of it come to a head. My children's church director and preacher was sick and couldn't attend service that Sunday. We put six busloads of children into the main sanctuary. You talk about confusion. We had little Johnnies and Susies crawling under the pews. Everything in the heaven going on. You couldn't control them. And a little nine-year-old boy out of all that confusion, stood up and come down to the front, fell on his knees and lift both hands and cried out loud, Lord Jesus, please save me, Hallelujah. please save me. Hallelujah. I'm fighting devils, every attack of the enemies raising in that church. We're going to close down this bus ministry. We're going to shut down this children's church. And all that outreach is a waste of money. That morning in the midst of all the confusion, all the aggravation, all the rebuttals of the church itself and even church members were disgusted that things had gotten so unruly One little nine year old boy out of six busloads of children come down and knelt in that altar and cried, Please Jesus, save me. He's two hours from heaven. He went home on that bus, got on his bicycle. Rode out down the street and a drunk run over him and killed him. Three days later, on a Wednesday, at 10 o'clock, I preached that boy's funeral. Born again, got ready for heaven because a bus come by 50 bucks. The whole purpose is God wants to save the lost. That's right. That's right. God wants to deal with hearts, deals with us. Stand in the gap, you're a porter. Yeah. Be a watchful, be alert, be praying. That's right. The souls of men, women, boys and girls are resting at your door. their blood and God's help will require it of you. I'm telling you, it ain't nothing to go to a good service and just enjoy the presence of God and go home unchanged, unwilling to spend 30 minutes in prayer. God send a revival to Chapter 10. We like to read really hurry. We get on down there to where it says that Jesus take care of us. Yes, he does and will. But don't overlook the first seven verses of that chapter where he says, I'm talking to the porter. And I looked and said, Well, the porter? Two times Jesus in his earthly ministry, three and a half years, addressed the porter. Two times he pulled an office of the sons of Levi to the forefront and instituted it into that New Testament church. I, I said, Oh Lord, I'm not here to preach the law. I do preach grace. Thank God for grace. I couldn't make it by the law. I couldn't even be here today because I live over a mile away from here if I lived under the law. I mean, there's just a lot of things there. Thank God Jesus took the writings of the ordinances of the law that were contrary to us and nailed them openly to his body on the tree. Thank God. Grace. D.L. Moody was said, he was in a large metropolitan city and having a meeting and he was in a prayer meeting and all of a sudden he ran run out of the meeting, run out into the audience, run down the steps outside and run down the street with both hands raised towards heaven, crying, grace, grace, thank God for grace. Yes, right. thank you, Jesus. They said two old drunks sitting on a, a bench waiting on a bus. D.L. Moody run by hollering grace, grace, grace. With hands raised towards heaven giving God the praise. And one drunk said to the other, man, grace must have been a special woman. Oh, it isn't a special woman. It isn't an intimacy with a man or woman. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. Right. Right. Thank you, Jesus. So we look for a moment at the office under the reign of David in 1 Chronicles chapter 9. It starts from the back. Dave's the first two porters and if you are a student of the Old Testament, you will find that word addressed porters and porter over 40 times. It seems like if God said something over 40 times that we would take note of it. How have we escaped? Well, we have. I preached out of Mark 13 at least 13 times, probably in one month. But in 38 years of preaching, I preach right by the statement, I'm talking to the porters. I'm talking to the temple guards. Well, what is there to guard? As an individual, you have to safeguard your own heart. That's right. You can swing the door open wide and let everything in this world come. I fell out with a preacher just this morning. I I'm not not purposely. I don't pick fights. I just state what I believe, and I believe it. And until you can show me otherwise, via the Word of God, I'm gonna keep on believing it. Well, he sent me, he said, what you need, Brother Talbert, is several T.D. Jake's message. And he sent me some. And, and listen to me. God judge that. Not me. I'm not the judge of it. But for me, it's aggravating. T.D. Jake's was belittling old line Pentecost. What we believe. Listen to me, friend. If the belief has changed, then the gospel changed. Then, then Christ is live. Behold, I am the Lord God Almighty, yeah. and I change not. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's it. Yes, amen. Now, I pointed this fact out to this man. He told me I was an old fogey. I don't know what an old fogey is, but I fell in love with him. I said I've fallen in love with the old fogies. Yeah. What this modern generation is calling stuck in the mud. Uh, yeah, come on, right? I'm stuck on Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank God He's still working in mud. Uh, yeah. Yes, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh-huh. You hadn't figured out yet that you just mud. (laughs) Bible said we're made out of the dust of the earth, mud. It became mud, the dust did, when God spit on it. Uh, Well, that's another message. (laughs) It'll wait till next time. We go back. Here they are. In 1 Chronicles 9, first off, names the two first porters, Shalom and Aquabub. Then names three others, all sons of Miriam. Miri, if I pronounce his name right. A son of Levi. And also, Miri had a son named Korah. Korah and a band of followers of the tribe of Levi elevated themselves. They superseded the office of the porter and wanted to be the high priest. They said, God speaks to us the same as he does Aaron and Moses. Well, that wouldn't be the case at all. If he talked to us the same way, then we wouldn't have needed the Moses. And that's what Korah was after. The job of Moses. That's right. But God's got this thing all set up. Yeah. He dots every eye, crosses every key. Right. And Moses said, if this can be changed by Korah in his band then God had not been speaking at all by me or by his spokesman Aaron, the high priest. The ground opened up and 250 of them went alive into hell. Israel fled, run to the rocks and mountains and looking for a stable place to hide lest they fall into the pit. And when they got safe enough away, They rose up and 14,000 just witnessed what happened to Korah and his band. They said we'd be holy too. And guess what? God killed every one of them. It seemed like God's mercy was short-lived. No, he does not tolerate changing of the doctrine. You understand that? He don't change that. I, I got some one debate, said, Bless God, we're Church of God, 14 fundamental statements. I said, Bless God, I'm Church of God, 14 fundamental statements. Amen. Right down the road, I can went into Assembly of God Church, and they said, Bless God, we're Assembly of God, you got 16 fundamental statements. Of faith. I said, Bless God, i got 16 fundamental faith too. Why? The book goes in whole. We're never given the luxury to change doctrine. I like the way you shout. The porter's job is to stand at that gate at the door of the sanctuary. Jesus said, I am the door. John chapter 10. And yet, he said the porter stands at the door. The porter in the Old Testament stood at the door of the temple with sword drawn, ready to go to battle That's right. against anything that sought to influence its way into the holy place. That's good. That's right. Lord the Lord. You hear me? You are the porter. You. You sat right here, born again, washed in the blood of Christ. You, under God, are a porter. That's right. And you write two commands watch yeah. and pray. Yeah. That's right. That's what it says. I might be preaching right above that door, right straight out through yonder, but I'm telling you we are the porter. We're elevated from the Levitical law of 1 Chronicles chapter 9 to Mark chapter 13 and verse 32 to verse 37 to the porter, I say, watch and pray. Then in John chapter 10 to that porter, you're standing at the door of the tabernacle. Need we spend a lengthy time telling you that God no longer dwells in tabernacles made with hands, but He moved in the hearts and lives of individuals that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, with all their soul? Your body is a living That's right. tabernacle. That's right. Amen. Yes. And you've been placed as a guardian over your soul in the fashion and in the sense, it is entirely up to you to challenge everything that is not sound doctrine. We live in day and age, I'm telling you, if you want to be confused, you get you some of them Facebook prophets and you listen to it. And being I got to the prophet now, I want to make the distinction between the porter and the watchman. The Bible makes a distinction between the two. The watchman is on the wall looking out. In 1 Samuel chapter 26, David is fleeing from Absalom. He goes into the wilderness, into a certain city. He dispatches troops, captains of the thousand, captain of the hundreds, and he gives them a word. He said, you know, be gentle with my son Absalom. Absalom, my goodness, David, he throws up and is desiring to kill you and take your throne. How could David say such words, be gentle with my son? Was it his love for his son? Yes, partly. The second thing, I've never heard anybody say it, but you need to hear this. David was already assured of Almighty God that his kingdom would stand. That's right. He already knew that. That's right. That's right. Pitiful Absalom, poor little nuts out there running around throwing spears. <coughs> He's took on an enemy greater than anything in the world. He set himself up to defeat God himself. He's a dead man. Yeah. And David wept. Right. But in first chronicles chapter 26, David's in the city, the army's been dispersed into the wilderness. They fought the devil and the Bible said absin's army is disconfitted and many are lost and died by the wilderness and the jungle that they're in instead of just hand-to-hand combat. Absinthe rides his mule under the forks of a branch off an oak tree. Gets his hair hung and is suspended between heaven and earth and Joab, look out for Joab, his name might mean father to God, but he'll put on some characteristics of the devil if he ain't careful. Right. <laughs> man reported to Joab and said, I saw Absinthe hung up an oak tree by his head, hair of his head. And the man said uh, to Joab, I, I could have killed him. Joab said, I reward you handsomely. And that man said, no, you're to kill me. Joab found out where the oak tree was, went there and slew Absalom. David setting in the gates of the city, an exile from his kingdom that God has already assured him is settled. It don't matter what it looks like in our world, the kingdom of God standing sure. Yeah. Yeah. It don't matter what Biden, what the Democrats or that's Republicans right. are doing. That's right. The kingdom of God standing sure. Right, that's Just right. Just hold on. on. Keep your position. The Bible said the watchman on the wall where the city that David was in, the watchman's up on the wall looking out and said, I see two men running. No doubt they're bearing tidings. And the Bible said the watchman cried down to the porter, The porter reported to the king. How have we erased that? How is it erased in the modern church? Everybody gets goosebumps with the prophecy, the cry of watchmen on the wall. But where is the porter standing in the gate of the city? That watchman cried down to the porter and said, hey, there's two men running. The porter reported to the king and the king said they bring tidings. What's that say to you and I? You are the porter standing at the gate of the city That's where God's church is. The New Testament church is planted in the earth. We are to be in the byways and highways and hedges of this world. That little nine-year-old boy died with a drunk run over him. Two hours after making Jesus Lord of his life, I preached his funeral to a packed house. An entire community turned out to pay reverence to a little nine-year-old boy killed on a dead-end street with a drunk driver. I preached this little boy that's in this box here from the church right now. His soul and spirits with God I said because the Lord taught somebody's heart they donated the money and bought the first bus. Somebody donated the money and bought the first tank of gas for that bus. Somebody committed themselves to the time it would take to go visit their kids on the streets. And pick them up on that bus. Somebody said, I'll take care of them. we get them to church. We'll teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of that bus route, six buses, six loads of unruly kids off the street. Cussing, ranting, and raving. You wouldn't believe that our young people of this day and age have the morals of a hog wallowing in the wallow. Right. They talk worse than drunk sailors. Yet we had the audacity to take good money and waste it, trying to bust little children into the house of God. I fought that devil. I've about come the place I was going to turn to Old Testament and be Moses and draw a line in the sand until God just fry them all. Deacons that didn't have no burden at all about winning souls, just counting noses and pennies. Lord have mercy. What does Bible way stand for? We stand here as a lighthouse to the lost in the world. Whatever's necessary. Preach the gospel. Preach it in season. Then out of season. We are definitely in a time when it's all out of season. But it doesn't change the necessity of preaching the word of God. Be a porter. Stand at your post with sword drawn. My goodness. We would take it wrong and seem to be a very uh, holier-than-thou attitude, we stand at the door and inspect everything coming in. I'll tell you, when the moral, the dress code, the morals of the church went to the dogs is when we left the post. And I'm somewhat intimidated. I'm sitting up here, can't wear my suit, can't wear dress shirts. Yeah. I could wear my suit, but I have a problem. And we won't go no further than that. Did I did not describe that problem. One arm don't work. One leg don't work. The doctor's amazed. I got vocal cords on the right side are dead. I ain't supposed to be able to holler. I ain't supposed to be able to talk above a hoarse whisper. But I'm telling you, stand your position. Yeah. 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 What difference does it make? Stand your position. That's right. Shalom and Aquabub, the first two porters, at the doorway of the tabernacle. In the wilderness, you better not be a Jebusite and try to get in. You better not be an Ammonite and try to get in. Why? Those two men are under divine orders with sword drawn. If you get past that brazen altar and you made it to the doorway of that tent, shall. I And Aquabud pat you on the back with one hand, all the while got a sword ready out in the other. And we're under divine appointment. If they try to sneak into that holy place, you flop their head off. Oh, my. I said, that's cruel. And as I already stated, thank God, I can take off like D.L. Moody. I can run down the street with both hands, well, one hand raised up, I flopping with the other one, and holler, "Grace, grace, grace!" Thank God for grace. God's a merciful God, not willing that any should perish, but all should have everlasting life. Then let us close, and we make the transition between law and grace. Do you know that we, you and I, that's born again are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I'm not trying to elevate myself to the throne of Christ above him. No, no. I'm going to gravel at his feet, at the footstool. I know, I know my position. I also realize that now, as an adopted member of the body of Christ, I've been called and chosen of God Almighty to be a porter. Every person under the sound of my voice, you are indeed a porter. I don't want to be mean, so I'll just go ahead and be mean. Let's just go on with it. Do you know that as a porter called of God that it's your obligation to stand at the door to your heart? Jesus is the door. It's your obligation then. Don't try to defile Christ with as the world turns on television at 12 o'clock. No. It's within your power to turn television on or turn it off. And it would surprise you if God stepped into this sanctuary right now and began to establish and to declare what we as His children are involving ourselves in? Oh God, yes, help us, Lord. That's right, preacher. right. You know, I, I suffer the vengeance of Sister Talbert because I use her or me for an example, whatever. And we ride the road. We I stay on the road all the time, and she likes Gaither music. And, and I'm not throwing no rocks, except about half of what they sing is doctrinally unsound. But it's got a good beat. Oh, I'm pretty I am swimming in alligator waters here. So every time you get out and go in a store or something, the gas station, whatever, i switch it over to country western classics. You know, Merle Haggard. <laughs> Hank Williams. You're cheating, heart. We'll tell on you. And she comes in, turns on the radio, says, did the devil get in this car? I said, yeah, his name was Bill Gaither. <laughs> <laughs> and we would fuss and argue down the road. Every time she'd be preoccupied, I'd turn it to them country-western something or Just be- At first, I'd done it just fooling with her. But I got to liking it. I'm I just being completely honest with you. I just, I just really. <laughs> and I didn't realize it that as a porter, I swung the door open wide to a licentious lifestyle that God's word vehemently hates. Uh. I don't know if God hates Bill Gaither or not I don't know that but I'll tell you what Hank Williams ain't going to be leading the choir in heaven (laughs) I don't know he might have got saved the last point last breath he breathed I don't know that But what I tell you, I do know. Saints of God sing and worship in praise and adoration unto the Lord. And it wasn't because Sister Todd was preaching to me, and she probably did. Well, to be honest, she did. I became conscious that I've got addicted as a hopeless preacher, church of God, assembly of God. I mean, I'm, I've rubbed shoulders with them all. And here I am, leaving church on a ride home and turn that radio station to Rock. Now, how could that be? That supporter that has sheathed his sword. As a porter, when he went home, it is estimated they stood at guard for 12 hours. Then they were relieved. And another person stepped up, took their post, stood guard for 12 hours. Do you realize that when that porter went home off time the first thing he done was washed his sword bathed it because it was stained with the blood of infiltrators where he stood guard at the house of God He had to wash that sword. Thank God Jesus bore the punishment. He paid the ultimate price. He died so I could live. I could go free. I was adopted into the family of God. I am a member of the royal priesthood. I haven't been given the luxury of having a day off i got to keep my sword <laughs> sharp right. and unsheathed. Right. You encounter things every day of your life, somewhere in the course of that day, of this day today, some enticement of the flesh. You say you're not enticed of flesh. That would be a good indication it's already got you. Well, we'll drag on. You are the porter. You stand guard at the door of your heart which is now the sanctuary. Jesus doesn't dwell in tabernacles made with hands. He lives in your heart. And God placed you with awesome responsibility. Guard your heart. The sanctuary of the Most High. What have I allowed? What kind of Jebusite, Hittite? Seven enemies of God that God said I cast out before my children of Israel. I'm not looking to sign a peace treaty. Say it. Preach. Say it. I don't want anybody to perish. Yeah. but nobody is saved by signing a peaceful agreement not to agree. Where?. Well, my goodness, I've got four amens now. And five heads shaking affirmative and the other rest of them nodding off. I can't tell whether you're disagreeing or asleep. God called you and I as a porter. In Mark 13 and 34, what I say to one, I say to all, to the porter, watch and pray. Are you the porter? You can answer if in your heart you say I am a porter. Yes, amen. I watch and pray. I'm taking note of whatever coming at me. Nothing sneaks upon the child of God until the child of God gouges his own eyes out. Watch, Come on. That's right. watch and pray. <coughs> you Want a word from the Lord? Here it is. Watch and pray. You want to make the rapture? Here's the criteria. Watch and pray. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, amen. And then we can stand boldly and say, come go with me to my Father's house. Yes. We're invited in. I like what it said about Brother Smith Wigglesworth. When the preacher went by to see him carrying the papers about the war going to break out in World War II, old Brother Smith Wigglesworth met him at the door, welcomed him in, and told him, Leave the trash outside. <laughs> Just leave the trash outside. People in this house can't go to sleep without the evening news i got to see what Biden's up to. (laughs) What's him, Democrats and Republicans are doing now? Well, they're having joint sessions. They're grumbling and complaining at one another and and going to the same steakhouse and sitting down eating steak. That's right. That's right. Come on. Look... Let's throw it out for food for your palate. What's the difference between a conservative and a liberal? Biblically, what's the difference between a conservative and a liberal? You would have to look then to see where they stand and what they stand for. The conservative is a Pharisee. And the liberal is a Sadducee. In Acts chapter 28, Paul is brought on the floor being accused of bringing Greeks into the temple and defiling the holy place. And he perceived that half were Pharisee and half were Sadducee. And he ended the argument by creating an argument between the conservative and the liberal. But bear in mind, the conservative and the liberal were in total agreement in crucifying Christ. They were in total agreement in shutting the mouth of the church altogether in Paul's age. We're not called to be conservative or liberal. We're called to be born again. Yes, Old things have passed away. We're not of this world. Right. Right. Yes. This month, just a few weeks from now, matter of fact, we can already go do it in Florida on early voting. And you know what that means. Probably Nothing. There's a big push. We got to go be conservative. We got to be, it's in the church. We're conservative. We got to vote conservative. I would if I've had a politician that was a conservative. One dear sister said she had their answer to how to vote. It was in the times of Clinton running for office, that's been a long time ago. She said, "When I went behind that curtain, the Lord said, "Shut your eyes and pull the lever. because they're all devils. <laughs> We need a revival That's it. in America. That's it. That's it. We need porters to stand up, to stand guard, to say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Right. Be blessed of God. Would you stand to your feet? It's been so good to be here tonight and just ramble. I tell you, just ramble all over the place. But I've enjoyed it. And to me, is special that a scripture that I have read over and studied the Bible for 38-plus years, full-time preacher, preached all around the world, and five continents. I, I, I was at seven and dropped down to six because I hadn't been to India. So I didn't I mean I, I missed that whole continent. Yeah. and I'm down to five and Jesus is going to come pretty soon I might be only three or four but I have been a lot of places preached a lot how could I being a preacher have overlooked the necessity of the call of God for myself to be a porter in the temple of God my heart how about you Somebody says the devil got in. Where is the role of the porter to resist him? That's right. I'm not resisting him. Listen to Hank Williams saying you're cheating heart right. <laughs> Or now that I'm home more often than I used to be, as the world turns during the day, and I don't even know if that's still on, I'm just using that as an example. God called you and me as porters. Guard the temple. Guard the temple. If you allow what this world is up to to invade your heart, you've allowed the enemy in. You've done it. I said, oh goodness. God loves us too good, too much, to let us alone. Jesus loves you. And Jesus has called you two times in the New Testament. When we come see the signs of His appearing everywhere, He said to that porter, watch and pray right. Heavenly Father I've done my best I tonight I just tried to share the simplicity of the truth of your word the call of the spirit of God to every man, every woman every boy, every girl to come out to stay in guard Lord, to defend sound doctrine, to defend the status of the New Testament church. Lord, above all, to praise and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, bless Bible Way. Bless the people. Bless the church. Bless its outreaches. Bless the individual families that make up the membership of this church. Bless their children. Save every one of them. Heal the sick. Let signs and wonders be the norm to the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. I don't know how to give such an an altar call on such a message, but it's necessary because every one of us at some point in our relationship has forfeited the role of the border, And this has got to be corrected before we stand before Him. I don't want the Lord to look at me and say, Son, why in the world would you come out of a service where my Holy Spirit was moving and blessing hearts and used you And you went in, got in an automobile, and turned on belly rock and listened to it for six hours down the road.